Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. Eight games into the 2014 campaign, our beloved sit in an ugly three and five. But with the bye week over, the Bears prepare for the second half, looking to be the team we hoped they would be. Can the Bears recover and salvage the season? Or should we just start planning for 2015? All of this and so much more on the mid-season review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. As I said in the introduction, we sit at an ugly three and five. So not the team I thought we'd be talking about at this point in the season. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the midseason review episode of the Chicago Bears review. Going to be breaking down all eight games that we played thus far, the disasters that have been. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what has worked, what hasn't. Who needs to step up, who to watch for, and finish everything up with our favorite segment, Bear Up and Bear Down for those, uh, you know, eight weeks in uh, to the season. So uh, lots to cover. Hopefully we can get it all in in under a decade. So, uh, you know, plenty to talk about. Uh, it's been a quiet week, sort of, for the, for the Bears uh, while they've been on the bye week. While there's been very little going on with the team, there's been a whole lot of talk about what's going on behind closed doors. Uh, lots of talk about Mark Tressman's job security or lack thereof. Uh, and also the, the, the super fun shoulda, coulda, woulda with Bruce Arians and whether or not we should have hired him uh, after the 2012 season, uh, you know, when he took over as uh, – interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and took a 2-14 and 14 team and made them 11-5 and five after uh, their head coach Chuck Pagano, uh, you know, with, uh, uh, left the team for the, for the time being um, to recover from cancer, uh, which he has and is, you know, successfully coaching the team. Now, as a matter of fact, as I'm watching this, uh, Chuck Pagano's Indianapolis Colts are beating the unholy hell out of the New York Giants on Monday Night Football uh, right now. So, um Anyway, we'll, we'll chat about all of that uh, kind of stuff. But uh, like I said, we got lots to cover. So what do you say we go ahead and just dive right in and do a, a, a quick, fast review of the first eight games of the 2014 campaign. The Bears kick things off in 2014 at home. Against the AFC East Buffalo Bills, our 
out-of-conference opponents uh, for this season. And, and, and to look at the stat board, the Bears dominated everywhere except in two places. Number one, turnovers, and of course, in the final score, uh, Matt Forte had a big day, 87 yards receiving, 82 yards rushing, but the Bears did not use him enough early on uh, in the football game. The Bills had big yardage uh, rushing the football. One other place the Bears did not win on the stat board. Nearly 200 yards rushing given up by the defense. The defense looked like its old 2013 self, and 13 points for the Buffalo Bills came off the three turnovers that turned, over, turned out to be the difference in the football game as the Bears lose in overtime 23 to 20. Game two had our beloved traveling to San Francisco where we hadn't won literally since Ronald Reagan had been president. 1985 when the Bears won the Super Bowl the last time we won a game out there. This time playing in Santa Clara in the brand new Levi Stadium for the 49ers. Uh, the defense got off to a slow start digging the Bears to a 17 to nothing hold but buckled down in the second half after a third quarter goal line stand that uh, you know only left the 49ers with a field goal and the Bears kind of took over from them. Uh, total reversal of the Buffalo game. San Francisco dominated the board, the stat board in every place except one, and that would be turnovers. Colin Kaepernick had interceptions taken by the, the rookie, Kyle Fuller, who had to step up in place of the injured. Charles Tillman, who we lost for the season with the ruptured uh, tricep tended once again. Jake Cutler was outstanding. Four touchdowns, three in the fourth quarter. Three touchdowns to Brandon Marshall, uh, who was playing on a bad ankle. I mean, it was up until the very last minute before we found out Brandon Marshall would play. The Bears win on Sunday night football against the 49ers, 28-20. to Game three had the Bears on national TV again, this time against the lowly New York Jets. Uh, early mistakes from the Jets, a pick six by Ryan Mundy. Uh, got to the Bears off to a big start on, on the Jets. Uh, the defense had three sacks. They kept the, the tough running game of the New York Jets under 100 yards. Neither running back had more than 45 yards in the game. Forced three turnovers. The Jets were one and six in the red zone, including a Kyle Fuller interception that killed a touchdown drive martellus bennett with two touchdown catches alshon over 100 yards receiving the running game was non-existent for the offense but the bears win it anyway making it two in a row 27 to 19. fourth game of the year the bears return home to soldier field this time to take on the green bay packers and uh it looked like it was going to be a shootout early on. Both teams, both offenses marched up and down the field. Uh, neither one of them having an answer for the other. Uh, controversial touchdown uh, non-call, I guess you could say, for Martellus Bennett. He caught the football, reached the ball over the goal line. But upon further review, there were Pat Packer defenders blocking the sight of the ball on both sides. Uh, of the goal line so it was ruled not a touchdown the Bears don't get the score uh, in the second half the offense could still move the ball but turnovers killed the drives and the Bears couldn't catch up the defense was awful Aaron Rodgers was unstoppable no punts in the game first time in NFL history so there's something to, to cheer about but the Bears lose to Green Bay 38 to 17. Game five had the Bears on the road once again this time at the Carolina Panthers the Bears play sharp, but, you know, in the very beginning had a 21-7 lead with 20 with 10 minutes to go in the first in the second quarter. 
Uh, we were outscored, unfortunately, 24 to three from that point on. Defense rolled over and couldn't stop Carolina after the uh, in the second half. Offense couldn't get rolling anymore in the fourth quarter with back-to-back turnovers. The Panthers come back to win and then send the Bears home sad, 31 to 24. Game number six, the Bears on the road down south once again, this time against the Atlanta Falcons in the Georgia Dome. And after a slow uh, first quarter, only a 3-0 lead for the Falcons at that point, the offense got rolling with three scores in the second quarter for a 13-3 halftime lead. And after Atlanta tied it at 13 in the third quarter, the defense really buckled down and dominated the game from there. Only 42 yards rushing allowed by the defense, only 12 first downs, four sacks of Matt Ryan and an interception. Marshall and Jeffrey exploded over 100 yards each. Uh, Matt Forte, 160 yards of total offense and two touchdowns. None of the starting linebackers played in this football game, but the reserves were stellar. And uh, the most complete game played by the team all year resulted in a victory drawing the Bears even with themselves at 3-3 with a 27-13 victory over the Falcons. Game number seven, the last home game of the first half of the season had the Bears finishing up their uh, home schedule with the AFC East Miami Dolphins. Uh, It just, you know, there, there was no pop, no spark, no fight in this football team. The only person that showed up to play at all was uh, Jeremiah Ratliff. Three sacks in the first half alone. We had four uh, altogether on Ryan Tannehill. But aside from that, uh, the defense never had an answer for him. Um, They made Tannehill look like Joe Montana. You know, he he completed his first 14 passes, 19 of his first 20. He threw over two touchdown passes in the game. The Bears only had 22 minutes time of possession. And when you don't have the football for two-thirds of the football game, you lose. Uh, this game was also known more for the post-lock, post-game locker room antics, the loud shouting that all the reporters were making big stories out of uh, as the Bears lose to the Dolphins to follow 3-4, and 27-14. Finally, game number eight of the first half, uh, the last game in the first half at New England. Now, if you thought the Miami Dolphin game was rock bottom, You were wrong because not only did they look terrible against the Dolphins, they looked worse against the New England Patriots. And uh, they they did it on the road where they had been successful up to that point. Uh, Not not one victory at home, but they had three of them on the road and uh, thought they might be able to steal one in Foxborough. Again, the team showed no spark, no fight, no heart in it. Brady rolled up and down the field with ease all day long. Gronkowski was unstoppable. Uh, Three touchdowns, 149 yards receiving. Brandon LaFell, who? Yes, that's right. Brandon LaFell, former number three receiver for the Carolina Panthers. uh, 124 yards on 11 receptions and a touchdown of his own. Uh, It looked like the the, the Patriots are playing a game of Madden on easy uh, against the Bears. Uh, And Lamar Houston, of course, was the cherry on top that basically signified the entire season after getting a sack in garbage time on Jimmy Garoppolo. It wasn't even Brady. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. We're down by 25 in the fourth quarter on the road. The game is decided. He gets a sack on Garoppolo, decides that he's going to do a big funky sack dance at the 50-yard line, blows out his ACL, lost for the rest of the season. So just kind of bottles it all up and, and, you know, puts a nice little bow on the first half of the season as the Bears look awful against the Patriots to close out the first half. 51-23 and fall to 3-5 at the halfway point of the season.
It was a painful first eight games of the season. That's why I decided to kind of uh, rip the Band-Aid off, uh, if you will, and, and instead of dwelling uh, too much on, on how those games went, uh, uh, you know, or, or to dwell on them individually, I think we'd be here all night uh, if we did that. Uh, I think it, it's much more um, economical and a lot less uh, frustrating to talk about them uh, one by one, you know, just starting with the Buffalo game and then on to, uh, I mean, just the home games enough is enough to make you crazy. Uh, you know, the Buffalo game, losing to that team, then, then, then following that up by, by looking awesome on offense against the Packers, but we can't stop them. And then all of a sudden our mistakes murder us in the second half and we lose, we, we fall behind and we can't catch up. Uh, the game against the Dolphins where we just flat out didn't show up. We just did not show up for that game. And then to bottle it all up with that final game on the road against the Patriots, um, it's depressing, you know, quite frankly, to to think about how poorly uh, this team has played, how inconsistent they've been to get the flashes that we got. The fourth quarter against the 49ers, we were, we were stellar on defense, forcing turnovers jay's turning those turnovers into points he's throwing the ball brilliantly you know he played like a warrior in that fourth quarter you know took that big shot to the chest and came back and rebounded brandon marshall playing like a stud another warrior uh playing on a busted uh, ankle him and alshon jeffrey both actually uh in that one were, were literally game time decisions on whether or not they'd play at all in those games and and they did giving the bears the best chance to win by putting our best team on the field you know and and marshall uh you know with that high ankle sprain uh he confessed i believe on on inside the nfl probably should have sat out about three four weeks with that high ankle sprain but instead he decided to play his way through it had that awesome game against the uh the 49ers had that he and jeffrey both huge games uh against the atlanta falcons and, and that's the one that's the most bittersweet pill in in all of this was how good the bears looked against the falcons i mean you you really felt like wow just if if this this is what this team can look like if they play 60 minutes of football together you know they didn't they didn't play poorly in the first quarter they didn't play but they didn't play great you know they they came back in that second quarter and looked good uh, you know, they even had that that faltering at the beginning of the third quarter, but the, after that they settled down. They got after Matt Ryan. They forced turnovers. They made put sacks on him. Forte was running the ball like an animal. Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Brandon Marshall were showing why they're the most feared uh, wide receiving tandem in the NFL uh, right now. You know, it was a beautiful thing, beautiful thing to watch. And the most impressive part, of course, I mentioned. None of our starting linebackers were in that game. Shea McClellan, DJ Williams, Lance Briggs, all of them were out, and not to mention John Bostick. He was all out as well. So our top four linebackers all gone. We had an undrafted rookie. We had a guy that we had just signed off the street about a week earlier uh, and a fourth-round pick from, from last year. Uh, those were our starting three, Kasim Green, Christian Jones, and um, uh, Daryl Sharpton, those were our th starting linebackers. And you'd have thought it was like the 06 linebacking core with uh, Erlacher, Hillenmeyer, and Briggs back there, the way that they were just shutting the Falcons down. You know, 42 yards rushing allowed in that football game. And, and honestly, 
the Bears weren't didn't have that big a lead where the Falcons had to pass on on every down. It wasn't until the fourth quarter that we really started to that we went out ahead. We only won the game by 14 points, so we really didn't have a big enough lead where the Falcons needed to pass on every down. Running was still an option for them, and uh, they just flat out couldn't do it. And the Bears shut them down. They shut down Devin Hester, so special teams had a decent game. Robbie Gold kicking a couple of field goals, so. You know, it was our most complete performance of the football game of the season, uh, you know, to look that good for the for the visiting crowd, uh, you know, of Bear fans there to force the home team to have to take a noise timeout. They can't hear their own cadence. They have to call a timeout to regroup before they can call the next player, you know, snap the next uh uh, next uh, snap the ball on the next play. They got to call a timeout in their own building. I mean, how amazing is that? You know, but to follow that up, that game with the Dolphin game and to follow that crap fest up with the way we went out uh, against the New England Patriots, just, um, you know, it was a completely different football team, completely different. I mean, the, the team that we saw in Atlanta riding high, floating on air, just had this dominant performance. Uh, you know, granted the Falcons haven't come back and shown anything. I don't think they've won since then to be honest with you but uh you know but to be able to shut a team down the way that they did to be able to to be dominant to have that the pride that they they had to have with the way that their fan base made them feel like the home team in a building 1500 miles away from where they actually live had to be amazing for them to come home in their actual home building to stink the joint up to be down 14 to nothing at halftime uh, the only decent drive the Bears generated the entire football game was the, in the second half, which they followed up by giving up another touchdown to the Dolphins, which completely negated the work that the offense put in to, to try to close the gap to a 14-7 to deficit and for the game to just slowly but surely fall away uh, after that. You know, like I said, uh, even though Tannehill has performed well since the Bear game, we made him look like... The, like the second coming of Joe Montana. He was back there. His, you know, he was the most accurate quarterback in the league that week. Uh, you know, like I said, the first 14 passes were completed, 19 of his first 20, you know, two touchdown passes. He also, you know, I think he was, uh, you know, like the second leading rusher on the team, had a, you know, a 30-yard run on fourth and one uh, against the Bears. I mean, it was just just pathetic i mean we're booing our own, we're booing the bears out of soldier field which is just unbelievable with the way that they played it they friggin' deserved it and the the whole thing with the, the 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 hollering and the screaming in the locker room afterwards um laid the foundation for what very could be very well could be the demise uh and the end of the mark tressman era uh i mean i was reading a report earlier today uh jason lock and fora was was on um, the score, 670, uh, in Chicago, talking about how it's um, the Bears are a team in crisis where, number one, there's no leadership on the football team, and I, and I believe that to be true, 100%. I, I absolutely believe it. Um, you, you just don't see it there. Uh, people are thinking that it should be uh, Jay Cutler when Jay wasn't a leader before Brian Urlacher left. He's not going to be a leader now. Um, you know, there's there's no one really on the defensive side. I know people automatically point to Lance Briggs, but he was 
too busy playing second fiddle to Brian Erlacher all these years uh, to to really know what it is to to be a leader. He's always been the one following the leader's lead, and uh, you know sometimes I I've, I I kind of wish that um, uh, maybe the Bears had let him go. You know, all those years ago when when he was complaining about never wanting to play another down for the Bears and uh, you know try to get a trade going to San Francisco uh, uh, and things like that. That um, you know maybe we could have invested our 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 time and money in in, in someone else. Uh, you know, just because he hasn't stepped up in the he's only played two seasons without Erlacher. He's been injured for most of both of them. And uh, his play in the interim, you know, when he was healthy, uh, was nothing to write home about. So basically he's he's nothing without Erlacher. I mean, or at least that's that's what it appears to be uh, at this point. I mean, he hasn't done anything Pro Bowl worthy uh, since Erlacher left or Erlacher retired uh, and such. So, you know, the, the one lone bright spot that we have on the defensive side of the ball has got to be our rookie, our our cornerback Kyle Fuller, and unfortunately he's he's a little banged up. I think he'll be 100% by the time the Bears uh, get ready for Green Bay on Sunday. Uh, he's had two weeks to uh, to recover for the the hand and hip injury, so hopefully he'll be good to go. But uh, you know he's been outstanding, defensive rookie of the month uh, in September. You know the two two interceptions against the the 49ers, NFC Defensive Player of the Week that week. Uh, you know uh, the the interception against the the New York Jets. He's he's got the peanut punch all all figured out. Uh, the 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 fists of Fuller or the the Fuller Fury or however you want to uh, you know nickname it. Uh, you know the little moniker for his peanut punch. Uh, he's got it down. He's forced a few of them uh, that way. And the guy's uh, he's an amazing. Uh, he plays the run really well for a corner, which is uh, kind of rare. Actually, he's not afraid to play the run. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder and and take somebody out and he does it really really well so um you know he's he's really worked out and you guys have heard me say it a thousand times i didn't have a problem with the player i had a problem with his position i didn't think that we should be drafting a corner that early i thought there were corners to be had in the second third rounds you know it was labeled as one of the deepest corner drafts in recent memory whereas safety which was a much bigger need for the bears at the time going into the offseason you know i think we had all three of the top safeties in the draft there when the bears picked at 14 and instead we took a corner uh in a in a top heavy safety draft we didn't draft a safety until the fourth round and brock vereen hasn't been a bust by any stretch of the imagination but he hasn't started any games uh for us yet so he's kind of just there. He's a fourth round pick. He's you know trying to find his way, uh, you know, learning to play the pro game and, and get himself a uh, you know some consistent uh, playing time. But for the for the deepest need, the biggest need that we had uh, outside of defensive line, you know, going into the into the off season, we didn't sign any uh, worthwhile uh, veterans. We didn't draft one in the draft either, and we're kind of stuck with where we are. <sighs> So, all that being said, the first eight games, just an utter balls-up disaster. Uh, you know, I thought that the at, – at worst, at the very worst, I thought the Bears might be five and three. And that's, that's what I thought the worst would be, you know, going into it. Um, I thought we would sweep the home games instead of being swept. Uh, I really did. And I thought that we would be – 
three and two on the road. Uh, I thought that we would um, we would beat the Jets. I thought that we would um, I thought that we would beat the I thought we would beat both Carolina and Atlanta. I thought we'd lose at San Francisco, and I thought we'd lose at New England. That's six and two. That's three games from where we are. And quite frankly, the only thing that I got wrong was that instead of sweeping the home games, we were swept uh, at home. And, you know, my worst case scenario being five and three, and that kind of came from the rationale of thinking that we would be three and one against the AFC East. And instead, we were one and three. The only AFC East opponent that we beat was the New York Jets on Monday night. We lost to Buffalo. We lost to Miami. I thought we'd win both of those games handily, quite frankly. And I did think that we would lose in Foxborough to the Patriots. So I was right about that going into it. But I thought we'd sweep the rest of the division. And that was that's basically your difference from my worst-case scenario of five and three to where we are at three and five was our record against the AFC East. I, I thought that we would be a three and one team uh, against the AFC East, and instead we're a one and three, uh, and there that goes. So, what are the implications of this? Uh, and I dwelled on it for just a moment ago with the with the fact that the future of the franchise is in flux uh, at the moment. Um, all the complaints about Jay Cutler, and, and let me just go on record as saying right here, right now. I think that Jay is getting way too much credit, I guess would be one word, way too much credit for how poorly the Bears are playing right now. I don't think this is Jay's fault. Um, obviously, he could be playing better, but I don't think it would make as big a difference as people are claiming that it would. The only thing that makes it as big a deal as it is, obviously, is the contract that he signed in the offseason that the Bears basically you know bank their future on Jay Cutler being the franchise quarterback we always wanted him to be when we traded for him five years ago um, you know like I said obviously he could be playing better but he hasn't had a bad season so far uh, you know statistically he's he's got like double the amount of touchdowns than he does the interceptions he's throwing the ball uh, fairly well the offensive line because of injuries hasn't been as good as they were a year ago uh, today in practice the Bears had Michael Ola at right tackle with Jordan Mills moved to the inside at left guard for the injured Matt Slauson done for the year with a pectoral uh, tear and you know I read that in this will be our ninth game coming up on Sunday against Green Bay this will be our sixth starting five on the offensive line when the Bears were one of three teams in the entire league last year to start the same five guys for all 16 games last season. The Bears were one of only three teams to do that, and that hasn't happened. I mean, it didn't. we didn't even get through the first game with our starting five. We didn't even get through the first half. Both Garza and Slauson went down in the second quarter with those high ankle sprains, and the offensive line has been in shuffle ever since. Um, so, I mean, that's that's contributed to uh, Jay Cutler's woes and some of the protection issues and stuff that come along with with guys learning a new position while they're playing it uh, and things like that. But, um, you know, it's um, it's difficult. And I, and I don't think Jay deserves as much of the heat 
uh, as he's getting. Obviously, his contract doesn't help matters much, not to mention the fact that uh, we're pretty much a divided crowd on whether or not we wanted the Bears to do that in the first place. Uh, a lot of people didn't want the Bears to re-sign Jay Cutler. They thought we should have gone with Josh McCown because of how well he played while Jay was hurt last year, but um, that would have been a, a stopgap, a, a Band-Aid, uh, basically, you know, while we were waiting for someone else to uh, come along. I mean, maybe that would have been the better way to go, but, uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. We'll never know because the Bears didn't take that road, so it's uh, it's done. Uh, we're, we're, Jay's our guy. He's going to be our guy going forward, at least for the next two years, uh, while his guaranteed money is uh, getting used up unless the Bears can convince someone to take them off our hands, and I just don't see that happening. Um, you know, obviously the reason that the Bears are 3-5 and five is because of the defense. Now, while it has been a bit more of an improved unit than it was a year ago, um, they're better at getting after the passer, a little bit better against the run. But, um, you know, we went from being a middle-of-the-road pass defense with the worst running defense in the NFL to being a pretty decent run defense and one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. You guys have heard me say it a thousand times so far in the first eight games. Behind the linebacker, in front of the safety, there is a wealth of real estate for our opponents to be able to throw the football in. I mean, uh, Eric McCubbin, one of our loyal listeners, posted a picture that was taken during the Miami game. And, uh, you know, the wide receiver for the Dolphins is uh, standing in the middle of an open area uh, where, number one, two of the defenders have their back to the receiver basically running away from him. And uh, there's no one around this receiver for 10 yards in any direction. You know, in any direction, there's no one around. So he's got a good 10, 12 yards to run after he catches the football before someone will touch him. And that has been par for the course for the defense throughout the entire preseason and all the way up through. I mean, the one exception was probably the Atlanta game uh, that uh, we didn't see that because the Bears put a lot more man coverage in that Atlanta game uh, than they did uh, basically in any other game. I don't know why we didn't stick to that uh, going forward, but we went back to that uh, that zone defense uh, against the Miami Dolphins, and they carved us up like a Thanksgiving turkey, man. It was it was tough to watch, and um, you know that's just um, so you know it depresses me. It really does. It makes me sad. Uh, really looking forward to this season, um, you know, knowing that the defense wasn't going to be special, but expecting it to be better and expecting a, an improved defensive unit to enhance what we had on offense, and neither one of those units has been anything what we needed it to be. The offensive unit has regressed this year. I mean, as obviously we talked about the injuries on the offensive line may have been impeding the uh, progress, but not to the degree that it has, you would have to think. Um, you know, Jeffrey and Marshall going into the season – were one of the feared, the most feared, respected wide receiving tandems uh, in the NFL. Now, while you know, for the most part, they still are, they're not playing like it so far uh, in twenty third, uh, twenty fourteen, I should say. Um, you know, while there's there's respect now, there's there's no fear. No one really fears, um, you know, what's going on with the with that wide receiving core and uh, with um, you know with those with those two. 
back there. And, you know, Bennett got off to a fast start in those first four games. And the, the last four games hasn't quite been as much of a, uh, a focus, uh, something that we need to change going into the uh, into the second half uh, of the season. But, um, you know, it's it's the defense that's really killed us, not to mention the fact the special teams has been atrocious, uh, you know, giving up big returns, making silly mistakes. We got a punt blocked in San Francisco. You know, we committed a penalty and then let the ball sit there and do nothing after the penalty was committed to where the guy that the penalty was committed against, the returner, uh, hit him before the ball got there, uh, just decided to pick up the ball and start running, and no one touched him. And that ended up being the seven points that made the difference in the Carolina game was that uh, was that fluke punt return uh, that the Panthers ended up uh, getting there. So it's it's little things like that that show a lack of discipline, a lack of coaching, uh, you know, and and direction from the from the coaching staff when, you know, I mean, just that stuff that right there kind of reminds you of why we lost the Green Bay game. Nobody thought to pick up the ball after it was knocked out of Aaron Rodgers' hands to just to see. Nobody heard a, nobody heard a whistle or anything like that, and the ball just sits there until somebody from Green Bay decides to pick it up and waltz it into the end zone. You know the the fact that uh, you know we got the blown coverage that cost us the football game and things like that. So yeah, it's uh, incredibly depressing to. Uh, to watch and you know as much as i love this team I, i'm you know I, I i worry about what the second half is going to look like um you know we'll talk about the schedule here uh in a few minutes um you know it's it's division heavy so we've got some familiar opponents in there but we've also got some games that uh, are going to be tougher than originally anticipated when the schedule came out so we'll uh we'll have to see what uh what what the Bears have in store for us in the second half. I hope that while they were on this break, they did some soul searching and, um, you know, we'll be able to deliver uh, a decent second half. Because um, at three and five, the worst, the worst we can do in these last eight games is six and two. That's the worst. You know, we need to be perfect or damn near perfect if we even want to think about A, a division title and we also need a lot of help from green bay and detroit because detroit's six and two going into the into the bye week six and two so they would have to be five and or three and five like we were for us to catch them and and we have to be six and two to catch them you know a total reversal of, of the schedules for us to catch them now obviously in the pro we play the lions twice so we have the benefit that we can get those tiebreakers and such going in our favor with the head-to-heads if we can beat them but we got to do it um and uh right now with the way not so much that we don't have the talent which i guess is the most frustrating part is that we know that this is a much more talented football team than on paper than than what they are displaying out on the field but with their level of play their inconsistency and such i couldn't trust the bears to beat a division three college football team uh at this point you know it's just <laughs> they 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 just they they aren't showing that they have it inside to be able to to do it and uh you know like i said the lamar houston thing i think was the perfect description of how this season 
is going uh, you know how those first eight games were with uh you know just no reason for it none whatsoever i mean i get it it's probably been a, fr- a frustrating first half of the year for lamar houston signs a big contract the bear bears and the bear fans are expecting uh big things not one sack in the first seven games and here we are he finally gets his first sack he got his first one but he decided to celebrate like it happened in a momentous situation where we just stopped the Patriots on fourth and one or we got him on a third and long, knocked him out of field goal range or, you know, something huge when it wasn't even Brady that he sacked. It was Garoppolo and we're down by 25 in the fourth quarter and, uh, you know, decides to do a to do a funky little dance there on the 50 yard line, blows out his knee in the process. And that's that's verified. He's done. ACL torn season over for Lamar Houston the one benefit if there is such a thing uh, the one benefit of Lamar Houston getting hurt is that now it puts Willie Young on the field as a starter and Willie Young I believe is second in the NFL in sacks um, with uh, seven or seven and a half eight sacks going into after eight games um, you know it was supposed to be Willie Young and Lamar Houston that were going to be our starting defensive ends until jared allen became available and jared's only got a sack and a half at this point hopefully that he can have a big uh, he's got to have a big second half if he's going to be able to continue his double digit sack streak i think he's got like six seasons in a row where he's had double digit sacks uh including when he you know i think he took second in, in all time like 22 sacks in a season uh for him i think in t- 2011 so he's not that far removed uh, from that so maybe he'll be able to find his step uh in the second half and uh you know because he'll he'll be getting extended reps because we don't have that uh i mean david bass was promoted to the 53-man squad so we have another defensive end to play but it's going to be uh willie young and and uh, jared allen going forward uh in the pass rushing game and hopefully they can uh that uh, willie young can continue the, the the season that he's had and jared allen can uh can find the spark and get after it so because um that's going to be the job of everybody on the football team everyone to to find it in you to be better than you've been in 2014 uh to just um to be to be to play like a team because we really we we've seen it happen in in spurts we've seen it a quarter here a quarter there maybe a half against the falcons you know a little more than a half you know didn't really show up in the third quarter there at the beginning when we let him tie the game uh you know things like that for for them to come out and play a full 60 minute game and you know there's no time for waiting they have to come out and do that against green bay uh on sunday night and um you know i i think that our season is on the line uh on sunday and uh being desperate makes the bears extremely dangerous uh for the green bay packers and hopefully we can play like a football team with reckless abandon and uh go out and uh take Aaron Rodgers and company down. So um anywho, that was the first eight games uh, along with uh my little special commentary uh at the end. Um you know, let's let's go ahead and and move on to uh to our next segment where we talk about who would to watch for and who needs to step up in the final eight games of the season. <laughs>
This will be our who to watch for, who needs to step up segment. Kind of a uh, an offshoot of the bear up, bear down segment we're going to have a little bit later on. Uh, you know, who to watch for. These are people that... Um, that uh, you know, keep an eye on. They're they're kind of in the crosshairs. Uh, you kind of want to watch out for these guys, and uh, you know, see how they're performing because these these guys very well could hold a key to the to the future, not just in in the remainder of this season, but in 2015 uh, and uh, and beyond. And and who needs to step up? Uh, these are guys who need to play, or they won't be with the Bears next year, uh, in my opinion. So. Um, um, maybe not so extreme in some cases, but um, you guys will see the point that I'm uh, that I'm getting at. So let's just start up uh, with who needs to step up and just get that out of the way. Uh, first name in no particular order here, uh, Jared Allen. Uh, he needs to uh, step up. Um, you know, he wasn't the sack man, hasn't been the sack master that we were needing him to be. He, um, you know, early on he was just barely missing uh, some sacks uh, and things like that. Uh, you know, just seemed to be a step or two away from actually closing the deal and getting after the quarterback. And, um, you know, for the most part, obviously he hasn't been the guy that we thought was going to replace and enhance us from Julius Peppers and, um, you know, really needs to step it up in the second half. And as I mentioned before, he's going to really need to step it up if he wants to keep that streak of uh, consecutive seasons with multiple uh, – with double-digit sacks uh, going as well. So uh, uh, Jared Allen – Number one on the or first up on the list of who needs to step up. Uh, next on the list, Lance Briggs. Talk about a guy that um, really needs to step up, not just on his on his you know on his level of play on the field, but in his leadership role. He's supposed to be that guy on the defensive side after Brian Erlacher uh, retired. It was the the role that he wanted. He was willing to walk away from Brian Erlacher to prove that he could be the man on his own. Now, granted, it's later on in his career. He's getting a little long in the tooth, and he's got more days behind him than he does in front of him. But this is the time that he's been waiting for. He is the man uh, on the defensive side of the ball. He's the number one linebacker on the football team, and right now he's not playing like it. And um, granted, he's had to struggle with uh, injuries, as a lot of older players do. But uh, when he has been on the field, he hasn't been impactful, and uh, we need for him to be that guy. Uh, going forward for the remainder of 2014 if uh, the Bears want to have any kind of chance into going to the uh, postseason not to mention this is last this is Lance's last year under contract with the Bears and if he wants to come back and finish his career with the Bears uh, he needs to play like it okay next up on the step up list Jay Cutler now you heard me mention before that Jay you know hasn't played poorly uh, you know, I don't think anyway, uh, does not deserve half the heat that he gets for the way that the team has been playing. Uh, it's just that his play is magnified by the fact that he signed a $126 million contract uh, in the offseason when a lot of Bear fans didn't want him back at all, quite frankly. So, uh, you know, uh, some of us wanted him back, but nowhere near to for the amount of money that we signed him for. Some of us thought he was worth every penny. Some of us thought that he should be wearing a different uniform entirely far, far away from our team. So it's a very divided crowd on the future of Jay Cutler and where he needs to be. Um, you know, he's not the reason that the Bears are 3-5. and five. Uh, I don't think the Bears would be much better if he was having a good season. 
Um, but he's not having a necessarily bad season. It's not his fault that we're three and five, but we do need him to step up if we're going to have a chance at six and two or seven and one, which is what we need to see the postseason. Um, also on the step up list, Jermon Bushrod. Now, this is when I said, you know, not to the same extremes as far as not being on the team next year. Jermon is one of those guys. He's going to be back next year. He is a solid left tackle and while he's you know he missed a game or two uh with uh with that knee injury that he missed that he had in practice um you know you're an all pro left tackle we shouldn't have to constantly help you uh on the edges to to chip the defensive end every time uh just to slow him down you know you need to step up your play be the guy that we signed you to be and uh you know handle your guy on your own and let us help the younger guys on the other side uh, of the line so step up uh jermon bushrod in the second half of the season step it up shay mcclellan this is a guy that's playing quite possibly for his football future his football future not just his future with the bears but very well could be playing for his future in the nfl uh he was a failed experiment as a defensive end uh, the Bears thought he could be that pass rusher to bookend Julius Peppers when we drafted him in the first round in 2012. That didn't work out, so we thought that with his speed and his agility that he'd make a decent linebacker. And in Shea's defense, he did miss four or five games with that broken hand. However, his play before and after uh, the injury has been less than stellar. So, I mean, we may get Shea McClellan shoved down our throats for the last eight games of the season just because Phil Emery's going to have to make a decision about him uh, at the end of the season to uh, try to get as much game tape on him as possible before he makes an informed decision. And if McClellan wants to be not just in Chicago but anywhere next year, he needs to step it up in those last eight games. Uh, the other linebacker that needs to step it up is John Bostic. Our second-round pick from a year ago was supposed to be the heir apparent to the middle linebacker position. Doesn't look like that's going to be a spot. And uh, if he gets the chance to uh, to play ahead of uh, Shea McClellan, because both these guys have been hurt the last few weeks, um, you know, if Bostic is healthy and ready to go when the, when they play against Green Bay, he's going to have to step up if he wants to keep his job and uh, you know wants to keep Shea McClellan watching from the sidelines and John Bostic claim his spot as uh, the strong linebacker or the weak linebacker of the future uh, for the Bears because not only could Bostic be the strong side linebacker next year, uh, he could be taking over for Lance Briggs at weak side uh, linebacker uh, going forward because, like I said, this is Lance's uh, contract year he's more than likely not coming back next season in my opinion and uh you know Bostic is uh you know going to be an outside linebacker in, in Phil Emery's opinion so he very well could be taking over for Lance Briggs and if he wants to be considered to take over that position he needs to play better than he has in the first half and then finally for who needs to step up these guys are hand in hand with each other Mark Tressman Mel Tucker both of these guys have got to step up. Uh, Mark Tressman, you know, twice as much as Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker needs to get his you-know-what together with calling defenses and, and be a better play caller, put our defenses in a better position to, to be successful because he just hasn't done it. Uh, his best game calling defenses was against the, the Atlanta Falcons, and we got away from that uh, against the uh, Dolphins and against the Patriots trying to play man coverage uh, you know, against the, 
the Falcons, we had a lot of success with it against better athletes. We've, you know, we had more success against the, the fantastic athletes that Atlanta has in their wide receiving core than we have against the mediocre talent that both New England and Miami has. Both New England and Miami have, like, one guy. New England has Gronkowski. Miami has Mike Wallace. Outside of that, we should have had a field day. You know, we double up on Gronkowski and, and Wallace, man up on everybody else because we got the talent to match up with him, and, you know, that kind of thing. But that's not what happened. Uh, we were having difficulty getting after the quarterback, even though we are better than we were a year ago as far as our tax, sack totals are concerned. This is – it's just not acceptable with what's going on. And obviously Mark Tressman has to be a smarter, better play caller on the offensive side of the football to try to help the offense establish some – what of an, a rhythm to try to get things going in the football game. We don't have to score on every drive, but we have to make progress. Uh, and we seem to take two steps forward, then three steps back uh, with our offensive uh, play. I mean, it's just one regression, progress, regress, progress, regress every single time uh, with, the, with the team. And not to mention that, you know, basically we're a team without a leader. You know, it's, uh, you know, and that starts with the head coach. And the head coach is uh, – you know, from what I've been reading, is coming off as more of a, a coordinator than a head coach, and he's being respected as such, and it shows terribly uh, on the field. So uh, both those guys need to step up because both of those guys are not playing like they're going to be in Chicago next year. Now, who to watch for as we go forward? I'm going to go a little faster on this one. Who to watch for on the offensive side of the football? Marquise Wilson uh, broke his collarbone in preseason. Uh, was put on the temporary IR, should be coming off that list and practicing basically any day now. If he's not playing against Green Bay, it should be sometime very soon. He was the guy the Bears were grooming to be the number three guy, six foot four, a tall frame to go along with Jeffrey and, and Marshall, was down there in Florida practicing with them and building chemistry with Jay and, and the other guys and, and everything. So when he gets his chance on the field, he needs to step up and be that number one receiver, the uh, number three receiver that we so desperately need. Who else to watch for? Christian Jones, Daryl Sharpton. These two guys I'll put hand in hand because these could be our linebackers for next year. They played outstanding against the Atlanta Falcons, made us even forget the fact that our top four linebackers weren't available uh, for that football game. The way those guys play is like, who the hell needs them? We got these guys playing now. That's, you know, that's great. We'll just keep them. Uh, you know, and go forward uh, from there. Uh, Christian Jones, undrafted free agent, chip on his shoulder, a, uh, a Diluted urine sample uh, at the combine basically knocked him from being a second-round draft choice to being an undrafted free agent gift for the Bears uh, if he turns out to play to the potential that he showed as an you know like you said he was projected to be at, at worst a second-round pick uh, in this year's draft and the Bears got to sign him for nothing as an undrafted uh, free agent and Daryl Sharpton has kind of bounced around the league the last couple of years. Uh, the Bears uh, signed him off of the, uh, I believe, the Texans practice squad for him to come in and start at middle linebacker against the Falcons and play outstanding. Um, you know, if these guys are looking for a long-term shot in the NFL, I think they found the, the right place. And if they get their opportunity in the second half of the season, they need to, uh, you know, they need to be what they have been uh, to keep going forward. Uh, on the offensive line, we have Michael Ola. 
uh, who will most likely be our starting right tackle against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he's bounced around to a few different positions. First, he came in at left guard for Matt Slauson when he went down. Uh, then he was at left tackle for Jermon Bushrod when he got hurt and then was at right tackle uh, against the New England Patriots when Jordan Mills re-injured uh, his foot. And going forward, it looks like Michael Ola will be our right tackle while Jordan Mills slides to the inside and plays the, the left guard position for Matt Slauson. Hopefully this will be the unit that gets us through the rest of the 2014 season and uh, Michael Ola can help us uh, solidify the offensive line uh, so that's not quite the big worry that it has been uh, in the first eight weeks. You know, if that's the unit going in, the six different offensive line starting combination in nine football games for the Bears, a unit that had all five guys start all 16 games last year. So, I mean, you know, you want to point to one thing that's really hindering our ability to find success on the offensive side of the ball. The fact that we've got the musical chairs in the offensive line position is what's hurting that. And then finally, who to watch out for? Someone who's had the best first half of anybody on the football team, Matt Forte. Been outstanding running the football at 100-plus yards against the um, Patriots on Sunday. I believe if he's not the leading receiver in the NFL, he's like top five as far as receptions uh, are concerned, catching a ton of balls out of the backfield, really having an all-pro season uh, right now. And the only real bright spot that we have uh, on offense at this point, Matt Forte, need to watch out for him because hopefully what he was doing in the first half is just a springboard to what he'll be capable of in the second half so that's going to do it for our who to watch for who needs to step up segment here on the uh, mid-season review and now what do you say we go ahead and quickly go over the second half of the season with the last eight games You'd think that a second-half schedule that features five home games would uh, would be something that would have you all giddy and uh, all warm and fuzzy on the inside, but instead it's, it's something that's, uh, you know, enough to give you a headache when you really think about it hard enough, especially considering how poorly we played in the first three games in the first half of the season, and the home games come in bunches too. After we start out on the road against Green Bay on Sunday night football, we got back-to-back -back home games against Minnesota and then Tampa Bay. And uh, both of those teams with losing records and, uh, you know, should be victories on, on, on either side. Then we go to Detroit on Thanksgiving. Then a week later, we come back home for three straight weeks. We come home to play the Cowboys on Thursday night football again. Then we play the New Orleans Saints on Monday night football, finish up the home schedule at home against the Lions before we finish out on the road uh, at Minnesota. So, you know, let's dig in on the schedule. Obviously, we have to start with Green Bay. First game out of the gate, and this is the most important game on the schedule, quite frankly, with the way that the first half of the season ended um, and with everything that needs to be done in the second half to consider this a successful season, it all has to start right there. Uh, in Lambeau on national TV with the whole world watching, and they have to uh, they have to step up. I mean, that's the theme in the last few minutes of the show is who needs to step up. Well, the entire football team uh, needs to step up, and they need to play like a football team because you know uh, I believe I mentioned it in in the uh, the knee jerk reaction show that I did for the 
for the uh, Patriot game that uh, it's it's like a bunch of guys that are out there playing for themselves. Some guys are playing for the team. Uh, you know, well, they need to figure out who they want to be. This is the this is the game that we're going basically going to establish our identity for the second half of the season. Are we going to be a team to contend with? Are we going to be somebody that's going to ruin other people's seasons as we try to improve on our own? And, uh, you know, what's that going to be like? It all starts on Sunday night. Uh, you know, it'll be a huge boost emotionally for the team to beat Green Bay, especially after the way we lost to them the first time around. And uh, it would just be, a, you know, an outstanding thing going forward. Get the second half of the season started on the right foot with a big win on the road against our division rival. So huge game on Sunday night uh, against the Packers uh, coming up. Then the back-to-back home games, Minnesota and Tampa Bay, extremely winnable football games. Minnesota with a, uh, you know, a rookie quarterback, a fairly inconsistent uh, guy going through his rookie growing pains. You know, we need to get after him while we can, you know, get after this kid while he's still a rookie making silly mistakes. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a good quarterback uh, in this league. We need to get after him early and often when we see him uh, in two weeks. Um, and then the following week against Tampa Bay, it's going to be somewhat of an emotional game with Lovey coming back to town. Uh, the way that Tampa Bay is playing, they'll be 1-10 coming into this thing. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, it should be a game that we win. Uh, one that I believe, talent-wise, we should win easily, but uh, one where emotion might get in the way and, you know, Lovey might pull out all the stops to uh, to stick it to his old employer one last time uh, in this, uh, you know, in this season. So um, that's a game to, to kind of watch out for because it could easily be a trap game uh, for the Bears, um, especially if we – if we're on a winning streak when we come into this game, we beat Green Bay and Minnesota. You know, we're on a two-game winning streak. We're at five and five. We got a big divisional game coming up in a few days, literally in a few days on Thursday afternoon against the Lions on Thanksgiving. We can't look past Tampa Bay, and it's one of those games where we could get in trouble looking forward to that game against Detroit on Thanksgiving Day and, you know, basically get caught with our pants down against the Buccaneers. So if we're in a good spot when we play Tampa Bay, keep an eye on how we play in that one and make sure that we're not looking forward to that Detroit game on Thanksgiving Day. You know, uh, and speaking of Thanksgiving Day, this is going to be a hugely, a hugely important game. Number one, it's our first game against the Lions. Uh, they'll probably still be in f- in 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 front of the division on this one, so it'll give us an give us an opportunity to to build some ground against another division opponent, and you know keep the momentum going. Uh, you know, marching into that second uh, into the second half of the second half, because this is you know this is the end of the third quarter here. This is the twelfth game of the season against the uh, against the Lions, and uh, it'll be another national TV game that the whole world will see on Thanksgiving Day. So it'll be important for the Bears to come out and have a good performance uh, against the Lions. Now the next game, we're back at home. It's Thursday night football. It's December. It's probably cold as hell, uh, like it always is on the lakefront there in Chicago. We got the Cowboys coming to town. Now looking at this game going into the season, this looked like an instant W. We got the Cowboys at home. It's December. The Cowboys suck in December. They're on the road. Romo likes to play, make mistakes and everything. The Cowboys aren't playing like that this year. They lost to Arizona over the weekend, but uh, they're still a 6-2 uh, football team. 
They're still looked as uh, looked at as one of the better teams in the NFC. Who knows what they're going to look like five weeks from now when they come to Chicago on Thursday night football, but that's not the, the easy win that it appeared to be when the schedule came out. Uh, then the following week, we, we got an 11-day break between that Thursday night game and our next game at home against the New Orleans Saints on Monday night football. Um, you know, again, when the schedule came out, you look at this, it's Monday Night Football, it's in December, it's in Chicago, in the crappy cold weather. Uh, the Saints uh, have never beaten us in Chicago in this crappy cold weather and uh, hoping for that trend uh, to continue. Um, you know, it's our last non-division opponent as we go into the last game of the season, or last two games of the season. So this is be an important game to get some momentum going into those last two division games. Then our last home game of the year against the Lions – you know, I guess it will, It will. you know, who knows where we're going to be at this point of the season. we got two games left. Um, you know, the schedule doesn't look impossible. 7-1, um, 6-2 isn't impossible. But with the way that we played the first eight games, does it, <laughs> does it seem possible? It's not impossible, but does it seem possible? Uh, I mean, that's the real question. You know, where will we be week 16 when we play the Detroit Lions at home uh, for the last time? Where will we be week 17 at Minnesota? Uh, you know, is Jimmy Clausen going to be starting so we don't get Jay Cutler hurt, uh, you know, as we look forward to 2015? You know, do we tank the last game to get a better draft position? You know, is Mark Tressman fired before that game? Is he fired on the plane ride back home? You know, it's there's no telling you know what's going to happen where this team is going to be because of the talent that we have and the way that we've played you know we have the talent to sweep the board here we do i believe we have the talent on the team to win every game on this schedule but will we win every game on the schedule obviously the real question and um you know i think optimistically we're looking at four and four four and four i think is uh where we are with this you know we, we're going to lose against green bay we'll beat minnesota and tampa i think we'll lose on the road against detroit we'll lose to dallas we'll beat new orleans i think we'll equal one out or we'll i think we'll lose to detroit as well and then we'll like we'll sweep minnesota so that's two wins we'll beat tampa bay and i think we'll beat new orleans those are the four victories i think we'll We'll get swept by Detroit just because we can't seem to figure out how to beat those guys these days. We'll lose to Dallas. We'll lose to Green Bay. So there's your four and four. Um, you know, from where I'm sitting right now, that's what we're looking at, which is a seven and nine record. And depending on how the team looks in that four and four stretch, will determine whether or not we're looking for a new coach, or if uh, you know Tressman did just enough to save his job. So interesting to see what will happen in those last eight games and um, what the future will look like for the Bears in 2015. So that's our 15, uh, that's our last minute uh, preview of the last eight games of the season. Um, you know, I want to talk real briefly before we go into our Bear Up, Bear Down segment here. The lot of talk about the shoulda, coulda, wouldas with Bruce Arians. And forgive me for saying I told you so, because if you guys remember, you go back to the end of the 2012 season. Who did I say that I wanted to be our head coach? After everything that he did in Indianapolis with nothing, he had, he made he he led those guys to a playoff team 
11 victories, a, you know, a division title. Uh, you know, they went to the playoffs with him at the helm. He was 10-4, and four, you know. Um, Chuck Pagano, the head coach of the Colts, was only the head coach for, like, the first game of the season, last game of the season, you know. It's like this guy – uh, you know, Arians was like 10 and 4, 10 and 3, something like that as the head coach. One coach of the year, you know, was ended up getting interviewed by the by the Bears. That was the job that Arians wanted. He hadn't interviewed with the Cardinals yet. That was the job that Arians wanted. The Bears wanted Arians to keep Rod Marinelli and some of the defensive staff from Lovey's team. Arians said no. In the meantime, while they were kind of going back and forth on that, Mark Tressman became the favorite uh, in the building he ends up being named head coach uh, Bruce Arians goes into Arizona and takes a worse football team to a 10 and 6 record last year and at the halfway point of their schedule they sit at 7 and 1 and number 1 in the AFC in the NFC right now so their defense is playing lights out despite the injuries that they have they've uh, you know Bruce Arians has taken Carson Palmer from the dead and made him to a you know a top level quarterback once again. Uh, they have no running backs to speak of, but their offense is solid. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald is having somewhat of a renaissance uh, this year, catching the football, you know, and it makes me sick to watch it, quite frankly, to see the Cardinals playing so well when the guy that's leading them, in my opinion, should be leading us right now. So I think the Bears will be a different football team with Bruce Arians at the helm than we are with Mark Trestman. So I, uh, I wanted Arians from the beginning, and we didn't get him. And now we're watching another football team reap the benefits of the guy that I wanted. So I hate it when I'm right. I hate it when I'm <laughs> in situations like this. I hate it when I'm right. So there you go. So anyway, let's go ahead and wrap this up and get to our final segment. Bear up, bear down for the first half of 2014. And if you're still with us, I appreciate it. If you're still with me, I guess I should say we're at over an hour uh, as we go into the show here. You know, a lot to cover in those first eight games, especially with the way that we played. Maybe the show would be shorter if we were happier. And, uh, you know, who knows? But uh, maybe the second half, uh, you know, the second half of the season, the the year in review episode will be a happier one. Uh, you know, at least we, we, we finish the year on a happier note. And, you know, we'll have to sit back and, and wait to see what happens there. We'll find out up front and center on Sunday when the Bears play the Green Bay Packers. So let's go ahead and get this thing wrapped up, bear up and bear down for our beloved Chicago Bears in the first half of the season. Um, just go with the bear downs here, you know, and it's very much like the uh, who needs to step up list, uh, quite frankly. Um, you know, bear down to, to Jay Cutler, you know, need to play better. Like I said, it he doesn't deserve the credit that he's getting, um, you know, for, for how poorly the Bears are playing. He's not the reason that we're three and five or he's not all of the reason you know i think maybe we'd be maybe we'll be four and four if if he was having a better season but um you know obviously in our losses his his turnovers have been have hurt us but you know 
in the NFL, you have to be able to, to make some mistakes. You know, you can't be perfect all of the time. And, you know, it's it's not impossible to win football games if you turn it over. It's it's still possible to do it. But our the way that our defense plays, you have to be perfect. And in our three victories, we have been perfect turnover-wise. We have not turned over the football at all to our opponents in our three victories. In our five losses, you know, one turnover is enough to tip the scales in our opponent's favor and keep it that way. So um, it's not all Jay's, Jay's fault that uh, we are 3-5, uh, and five, but he is our quarterback, and he's a $100 million quarterback, which just enhances the issue, and he needs to play better than he has uh, in, in the second half of the season. Uh, bear down to Jared Allen. You know, $32 million, 15.5 guaranteed, um, one and a half sacks so far. Got to do a lot better than that uh, going forward. Bear down to Lamar Houston, five years, $35 million. I don't remember how much of that is guaranteed, but um, one sack and one sack celebration that cost you an ACL. So one sack for half a season's work and however much money you made uh, this season. So definitely a bear down to Lamar Houston. Uh, bear down to Lance Briggs, Shane McClellan. <laughs> DJ Williams, John Bostick, none of those guys has really played well uh, this year. So just an ugly, ugly, ugly effort we're getting out of the defensive uh, side of the of the football. You know, I want to say bear down to Chris Conti, but honestly, he hasn't played very bad. He hasn't played badly. You know, he didn't look good in that Buffalo game, but for the most part, he's been solid when he was healthy. You know, uh, and I, I give the guy credit for injuring himself playing football um, you know he's 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 going in there he's being a hitter which is what a safety is supposed to be although this year it doesn't appear that he's built for it because every hit every decent stick he's made has hurt him more than it's hurt his opponent so you know he's not gonna he's not on the bear down list but he's not on the bear up list either um, let's just move on to the bear upside bear up matt forte our MVP of the season uh, so far, having an outstanding year. Uh, bear up to Martellus Bennett. I think he's number two, number three in the league uh, for receptions, for tight ends. Had an outstanding first four games, kind of faded out in the last four, but uh, hopefully we'll see some. We'll see him uh, do a little bit better in the second half. Uh, bear up to Willie Young. You know, three years, three, uh, three years, $9 million, so three years per. I don't know how much of that is guaranteed, but uh, we owe him more money after the way that he's played. Uh, bear up to Kyle Fuller, you know. Like I said, uh, I didn't want him; I wanted a safety, but uh, he's made Phil Emery look like a genius. He had an outstanding first half of the year. Uh, even played, you know, even showed his toughness by playing hurt and still playing well while he was hurt. So bear up to Kyle Fuller. Uh, bear up Stephen Paya, uh, four and a half sacks from the defensive tackle position. Not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, playing like he wants to keep his job after we re-signed Jay Ratliff and drafted two defensive tackles behind him uh, in this year's draft and uh, the way that he's played and stayed healthy because that's also been a big issue of his. But he stayed healthy. He's played well like he wants to stick around going forward. And then uh, finally, bear up to, and you guys will love this, Pat O'Donnell, our six-round draft choice, our punter. After the year that we got from Adam Podlish last year, he absolutely killed us in field position with how poorly he punted. Pat O'Donnell has been a breath of fresh air kicking the football 
and you know just hap- just so happened that he was the last name that I wrote down. So he'll be how we're ending the show with a bear up to our punter. Yeah, 2014 Chicago Bears, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so that's going to do it for the 2014 review at the midseason point. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to preview our first matchup of the second half, a trip to Lambeau and national television to take on the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football. So it's going to be an all-important matchup. Just really can't really can't emphasize that enough. And, uh, you know, if you want to see something entertaining, uh, be sure and follow me on Twitter. I'll be live tweeting that game against the Packers on Sunday night football. It's either going to be awesome or it's going to be a disaster. Either way, it should be fun for you as you watch me lose my you-know-what uh, on Twitter. So um, I bailed during the <laughs> during the Patriot game. I watched every minute of the game, but I just couldn't live tweet anymore because it wouldn't have been family-friendly by the end of it. I was starting to lose it at the end of the second half, or the first half, I should say. But you want to be entertained and uh, you know follow along, it's at uh, Shy Bears Review, C H I Bears Review, to follow me on Twitter as I live tweet Bears Packers on Sunday Night Football. So, and obviously, you guys know about the Facebook page. Anybody who wants to know about the show, direct them there to find out what they need to know. And if you can, you can catch my radio appearances on WMT in Cedar Rapids with our good friend Doug Wagner uh, on Monday and Friday mornings. That's actually probably going to change a few times during the uh, second half of the year because we got two two Thursday night games and a Monday night game uh, coming up. So my schedule of appearances on the Doug Wagner show might change a little bit in that, in that, especially in that three game stretch, we got two Thursday games and a Monday night game. That's back to back to back. So I'll be, you know, talking on Wednesday and Friday, you know, or something like that, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I'll keep you guys updated on Facebook. So that's going to do it. For the midseason review show, like I said, come back on Thursday for the Packer preview for the rematch. Can we get them back? Can we beat them at home? Can we get the second half of the season uh, off on the right track? We'll answer these questions and more. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. 
There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.